Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians play review season continues. We're talking David Savard. We're talking the much-debated Jonathan Drouin and Kirby Doc all inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 832 of Locked on Canadians. As always, we are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast, where you get your team every single day of the week. Thank you for subscribing wherever you get your daily podcast, or subscribing on YouTube where you get to see our bright and shining faces five days a week during hockey season. I am, of course, one of your hosts. I am Scott Matt, and I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, we've been... We've been keeping it kind of low-key with player reviews. You know, nice, some some good talking points here. Today we get to have a little bit of a debate about two of the names that are on our list. But before we get into that, uh, how are we coping with the fact that Toronto is up 3-1 and they might not actually blow it this time? Um, honestly, I've decided to ignore that for now. Uh, there's going to be a lot of noise. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to try and come to terms with it because the only thing that's going to happen is the end of all the jokes. I don't necessarily think that they're uh, positioned really to win the cup, given who they have to go through in the next two rounds in order to even get to the final. And besides that fact is I'm never going to stop making jokes because they are clearing quite literally the lowest bar possible for the current Toronto Maple Leafs. However, we are not making this podcast about the Leafs as much as they would like that to happen we are doing player reviews today and continuing on with that. On Thursday, remember, please send us your mailbag or prospect-based questions. We have a very special guest coming on for our recording tomorrow night, so please tweet us at LO underscore Canadians for that. And the first name on our list for reviews today is David Savard, the big-bearded teddy bear, so to speak, of the defense, who for a second year in a row continues to have to play a above what is likely realistically expected of him. And I got to say, uh, looking at the polls we put out on the Lockdown Canadians Twitter account, I have the percentages here off the votes for David Savard's season. 5.4% of voters gave him an A. 37.8% gave him a B. 37% gave him a C. And 15.7% gave him a D. Color me surprised that it leaned so much heavier A and B than I expected. I thought a lot, I thought C would win this by far in terms of fan voting, but it does make me curious. I wonder if people are kind of in the same boat as us is that David Savard is being asked to play top pairing minutes when he is a third pairing defenseman because they had children and Chris Weidman on the roster besides that. Also injuries. I think that's the thing is that, People are looking at the mitigating factors here, the role that he's being asked to play. Uh, when we first decided to talk about David Savard today, I thought about the entire season as a whole. Uh, and I say that for effort, obviously he was injured for part of it, like everybody else. 
Uh, I say for effort, he gets an A plus because he did as much as he possibly could. I never saw any games where he was coasting, where he looked disinterested, where he looked like he didn't want to be there. He tried his best. And his job, for the most part, was essentially to mentor Caden Gooley. And Caden Gooley, you know, we talked about him in our previous episode, so go check that out if you missed it. I think that, obviously, the execution, I would not necessarily give uh, an A or a B or even a C because... It didn't work, right? But the thing is, you have to look at what he got asked to do. It is not his fault in any way that the Canadians roster was such that he had to play top pairing minutes. It is not his fault that the Canadians defense as a whole has no identity and there are so many different people playing night in and night out. It is not in any way his fault that he's being asked to play a role that he's not meant to play. He is a shutdown third pairing block shots kind of guy. He plays with the body. And so In the moments that he was doing that, he was excelling at it. He was just not allowed to continuously do that. He was being asked to do so many other things, so much more than that. And so for me, I feel like I understand why people gave him a B. I I understand where, like, personally, my vote is leaning more towards a C. And I know we're going to, like, recap the grades later. But I understand very much where that B grade came from. And it, it must feel nice, you know, like not feel nice. It must be nice to kind of be able to see the good in him. Because I I think so many times this season with so many players, we saw so much negative commentary. It felt like a lot of these players weren't getting a break. And like with David Savard, it's nice to see that people are giving him a break. They are considering the mitigating factors. And I just like, you know, I I think if if you told him to play third line pairing minutes and he was just a shot blocking shutdown guy, I think he'd be very happy. And I think, you know, if he was if that was the only thing expected of him, we'd be talking a right. And that's the thing is it's not like you said, it's not his efforts. It's David Savard tries. He's never been a fleet of foot defenseman. He's never been really an offensive defenseman. David Savard has been there to block shots and just eat up those defensive zone starts to give those puck movers, those offensive types, a better opportunity. And he hasn't been able to really do that in Montreal because last year everyone was injured and it was him and Joel Edmondson. And this year it was mostly him. You know, he had Arbor Jack for a little bit injured, Kane Gooley injured. Justin Barron in and out of the lineup, uh, Jordan Harris, Jonathan Kovacevic. David Savard to me is someone who really does try every time he puts on the sweater. It's just, he's not made for that role and he's got two years left on his deal. And my hope is that next season, the Canadians have a plan in place to put him in a more suitable fitting role. They're going to have a full season of Mike Matheson knock on wood here to play with. That means you can move your Caden Goolies and your other stuff around and you can give David Savard those easier minutes. And I don't like talking about players like they're only trade assets, but as a team that is rebuilding and has veteran assets on it, every veteran asset is eventually a trade asset. David Savard is a trade asset in the next two years. If they can get him into that role where, okay, he puts up the occasional assist, but he eats up those defensive zone minutes in that role, Teams pay out the nose for that, especially in the playoffs. Tampa did it. Yeah, they won a cup with it because they were Tampa and they didn't really probably need David Savard, but there are teams that will pay for that kind of 
veteran leadership on the ice, rightly or wrongly. Uh, that's a debate for another day. I think a lot of our listeners understand that we don't dislike David Savard. His style is not pretty. His style is not graceful. His style is not exciting even, but he does what he does, but he cannot be doing that 22, 23, 24 minutes a night because he's not made for that. All respect to him for putting his body on the line like that. The biggest thing next year is for Martin St. Louis to ease his minutes to get the most out of him, and I think he's going to be able to do that. And speaking of listeners using context and nuance when discussing a player, coming up in our next segment, we're going to talk about someone that is incapable of having nuance used in a discussion about them. We're talking Jonathan Drewen, and that's all coming up next. But first, if you've listened to this show since we've gone on air, you know that we at Lockdown Canadians love Built Bar because we love a delicious snack that doesn't have all the sugar and calories. It's the amazing, healthier snack choice. Built Bars are a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar because they are covered in 100% real dark chocolate. They come in flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, cookies, and cream. We're not really sure how they managed to do that, but inside... Every single one of these protein bars, it's only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. And you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club, and you can get all the specialty flavors at Built.com as well. There is an option for everybody. You can walk into your Walmart in the pharmacy section, get your four-pack of cookies and cream or double chocolate, or go to Sam's Club and get a 13-bar box with their hit flavors like brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank us all later, or like we said, check them out at Built.com. Protein bar tastes like a candy bar, folks. You cannot possibly go wrong. We are back here at Lockdown Canadians, and now comes a very fun discussion here because as Laura and I have been doing this show almost four years now, if not more than that, time has no meaning, there has been a lot of noise and arguing and just hurt feelings over anything related to Jonathan Drouin. It has been very hard to have a rational discussion in most cases because a lot of people feel very strongly one way or the other about Jonathan Drouin as a player. He's had his struggles. He left the team to get mental health um, assistance with that uh, during, I want to say it was the Canadian uh, bubble season. He's had injuries and just kind of got thrust into a limelight where too much was expected of him rightly or wrongly by the previous GM who had traded the team's top prospect for him. And obviously Mikhail Sergachev going on to win two cups does not help that debate, but that is not Jonathan Drouin's fault. Let's take a look at the grades here from our Twitter poll. 1.5% of people gave him an A. 20% of people gave him a B. 52.6% of people gave him a C, 25.9% gave him a D. And for me, that feels about right because he had a tale of two seasons, Uh, nothing and then nothing but assists down the back half. Lack of goals hurts a little bit, but I wonder if Jonathan Drouin down the stretch playing as well as he did, did enough to have a new contract in Montreal next season. 
What's really interesting about this is that when you posted the poll, so full disclosure, Scott and I both post things. And usually um, if it's a successful tweet, it means Scott posted it. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, immediately all I saw was G's. I was looking at it from my personal account and all I saw immediately, it looked like somebody just like saw the question and could not wait to like hit D. And it was like, like, I think it was 15 votes by then. Uh, so I'm glad to see that so many people gave him a B and a C. Um, and I understand why they did that. He's got a lot more potential uh, than he played this year. Obviously, injuries are a huge mitigating factor and absence is a huge mitigating factor. He has been quite injury prone if you look at his cumulative years in Montreal. Uh, you also, I think at this point in this year, the weight of the expectations of his draft position are no longer here. I think, you know, people kind of um, remove that context when talking about him at some point last year, I would say. Um, and now we're kind of talking objectively as to what we should expect from him. Um, and I think he, I think he was okay. I don't think he was phenomenal. I don't think that he was all that great, but I also don't think that he was bad. I really don't. I think there were moments in time in this season where it was clicking. His playmaking ability was there, whether he had the right line mates, the right space, the right amount of time. I thought that, he didn't do enough, though, like to answer your question. Overall, he didn't do enough to be like, this guy has to come back. If the Canadians bring him back, I totally understand why they would. And if they allow him to walk, I also totally understand why they would. The problem that I find, I think, and, and it's interesting, too, is because I think like the fan base here has just kind of like they're over Jonathan Duran. They're like, all right, bye. It doesn't matter, right? Like, it doesn't matter if like he scored like, Two goals a game in the last 20 games. They were just like, it's done. We're over the Jonathan Drouin era. It's time for a new era. And I totally understand that. I also know, Scott, you floated the idea in the past of bringing him back at a drastically reduced number uh, and a drastically reduced number of years, like term. So I understand that as well, is that if the Canadians wanted him and he was useful and it was like so much less than what he's making now, I totally get it. But I don't necessarily understand the people that are like oh you know what like I hope he never comes back like he's you know he sucks all of that I don't get that I thought it was really interesting that we've got a couple of comments in our tweets and in our YouTube replies as well where some people want him to come back and prove everybody wrong and I think that that's just a lot of pressure in Montreal and here's the thing is he said in his exit interview he's loved his time here even with that pressure and that pressure was he was traded for and then made to be a center as a franchise savior. And everyone who looked at his underlying numbers went, this is not a guy who is going to be your star piece. He is a very good auxiliary piece to a team. And this year he was showcased that he's a very good distributor of the puck. When he is on his game, he moves the puck very well and fluidly. He's not a defensive wizard. He's He is what he is at this point. And I feel bad that he was brought in and basically the expectation was, please save our franchise. We just traded all these things out here. And then Carey Price was injured, coaching changes. He was injured, never able to live up to that. And my thought is if Montreal brings him back, it won't be at this price. I'd be shocked if it's over $2 million, to be quite honest with you. But at the same time, with his price going down, and I think some teams being able to insulate his talents better, there will be a good team out there who has cap space to play around with and can put him in a lesser role to take advantage of his talents because teams always look for stuff like that. Alex Galchenyuk kept getting contracts 
And whatever you want to say about that, he kept getting contracts over and over and over and over and over again. There's no reason Jonathan Drouin can't is either. either. I, w- I would not be surprised if he is back in Montreal, but I wouldn't be surprised if they let him go. And that's perfectly okay. That's another chapter closed and moved on from in this. And I think the votes here were about right. Is that people wanted to see more goals. Had he been able to score, you know, say 10, 12 goals, plus all those assists, giving him a B or even an A on the season makes sense. It's just, again, team not good playing in an overextended role again. I And I know everyone's going to be different opinions on this because it is Jonathan Drouin and that's how things go. I'm not going to, you know, wish the worst on somebody. I have no reason to be annoyed by Jonathan Drouin. I can be frustrated by the way it plays sometimes, but I'm not blaming him for the trade. I'm not blaming him for everything that happened after that. That's not his fault. It isn't. And uh, I hope people understand that is that he is still a human being. He is not, you know, and that goes for David Savard, that goes for Chris Weidman, goes for all these people. We're trying to be critical of their play, not of the person themselves. And I hope that is understood. But we've kind of gone through two of the more maligned players, depending on where you stand on things. We're going to end with one of the newest Montreal Canadiens this year. We're going to end with brand new second line center, Kirby Doc. And that's all coming up next. But first, for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know when the part will fit or your money back. And because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be right back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We are back here at Locked on Canadians. And remember, we are doing a prospect-focused episode tomorrow night to launch on Friday. So send us any of your prospect questions at LO underscore Canadians, Canadians at gmail.com. In the YouTube comments, don't be a jerk, simple enough. Let's wrap up this show on a good note, shall we, Laura? I was in the building for the the draft in Montreal this past July. June? July. July. Sauce it was Kof- July. It was July. Feels like 10 years ago at this point. Soslevkovsky go first overall, and the din and the chaos of all that. As I'm sitting next to my eyes on the prize compatriot, Jared Book, he goes down into the room to listen to Slavkovsky's press conference. I am sitting up there just kind of watching the draft proceed, talking with a couple of other people. Gary Bettman walks up to the stand and goes, I have a trade to announce. Gets booed. Goes, one of them involves Montreal. Crowd goes wild. Canadians traded Alexander Romanov and a second round pick, 66th overall, to the Islanders. The Islanders send them pick number 13 and a third round or third or fourth round pick. And they flipped that to the Chicago Blackhawks for centerman Kirby Doc. And the noise was again one of confusion and excitement, to which I saw half the press row get up and sprint out of the arena, and the other half coming out of Slefkowski's press conference, sprinting back into the arena. And I gotta say, Kirby Kent Hughes looks like he made a real smart deal here. 
Uh, Kirby Doc had a strong first injuries again, whether they're his fault, the training staff's fault, who knows? But Kirby Doc is someone who started as Nick Suzuki's winger and ended the season as a very ingrained, confirmed number two center on this team, playing really, really good hockey. Hard to not be excited. I have the vote tally here once again. Out of everything, he had no D's, 0% D's. 31% gave Kirby Doc an A. 60.4% gave him a B. 2.7% gave him a C. Again, feels right about right. I I gave Kirby Doc an A. I thought he had a real good first season considering the circumstances. And we've said it before, sky's the limit, right? Well, that's it. I think it depends on if you're grading him on his potential and what you expect him to bring to the team. And if you grade him on what he did this year, I think a large part of this year, like, yes, there were magical moments and magical places, uh, plays. He's really good at creating space, et cetera, et cetera. When he played on the first line, he saw success there. You know, you can move him from center to wing to center. Uh, I, I gave him, um, I'm not going to say, cause we're going to do it at the end. Uh, but I thought that everything that I saw from him was potential, 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 right? Like every time he made a good play, as you saw him progress after the first few games, you saw him get better and better. You saw Martin St. Louis rely on him more. You saw him uh, get used to the role, get used to whoever line mates he was playing with, find magic on the first line with uh, with uh, Nick Suzuki. I I saw that and I, I was just like, wow, sky's the limit. Exactly like you said, potential, potential, potential. That's what you were seeing. So I really, really like that aspect of it. I looked at his underlying numbers and most of the time, like there were very few players that had consistently good nights uh, throughout the season. Obviously the Canadians themselves weren't good. You know, we, we can say that like we as, as many times as possible, but it still bears repeating because they were not good. Um, but I just, I was very impressed with Kirby Doc. And to me, I had no expectation coming in because I did not know what to expect, right? Like I remember specifically before the season started, we asked a lot of our guests, like, what do you think about this Kirby Doc thing? What do you think he's going to bring? Because he was such an unknown quantity. Like he was drafted third overall. And then he had that injury, that wrist injury. He was misused in Chicago, but who wasn't? Like, so they're honestly like to me, I didn't know what to expect. So coming in and saying, okay, this is a brand new player nobody's heard of. If you pretend, if you pretend nobody's heard of him and you don't add expectation or context or whatever, like that was a really impressive first season with the Montreal Canadiens. And like he played 58 games. He missed times with that mysterious lower body illness, whatever that means, and then got a concussion to end the season uh, in that game against the Sabres. In 58 games, he put up 38 points, 14 goals, 24 assists. And he's someone who just got better. Every line he played on got better when he was on there. That line of Suzuki, Anderson, and Doc, or Caulfield, Doc, and Suzuki, whatever, worked. Because Kirby Doc is such a good facilitator with the puck. And then on that second line where he played with Josh Anderson, he played with Jonathan Drouin, brought the best out of them as well. He makes it easier for his line mates. And I look at this next year. You could put a Harvey Pinard or Jesse Alonen on one of his wings there. You could put, let's say, they pick, you know, in the top three. Stick someone on his wings there. There's a lot that you can do with Kirby Doc on this team. He allows them so much more flexibility. Is because we love Jake Evans. We do. 
Jake Evans is not a second line center. Christian Dvorak, not really a second line center. We don't even know if he's going to be here beyond this year. Having that one, two of Doc and Suzuki in as your top two centers. And then you're adding beyond that. Plus the draft this year is such a blessing for the Canadians. And I think Martin St. Louis just allowed doc to use those instincts. I'm reading some of the uh, quotes from elite prospects here. Capability to bury the shoulder drive to the net. Did that coordinated with risk unique dangles, given the length and the in his skill level with the puck. We saw that. He has the ability to slow the game down and take over it. Size, strengths, offense first mentality, incredible vision and passing ability. He is something this team, he reminds me a lot of Thomas Placanitz in some ways. Maybe not as defensively, you know, savvy, the veteran there, but that comes with age. But he finds those areas to make plays happen. He's such, and I keep saying facilitator. And that's, I think, the best way to describe him. He can get the puck out of the defensive zone because he's very good covering it with his wingspan. In transition, he has the speed and stride to make things happen. And then in the offensive zone, just along the boards, he's a big dude. He's not easy to slow down in the offensive zone there. A healthy year next year, healthy line mates. And I wouldn't be shocked to see Doc be 50, 55 point guy next season if all goes well. I don't think that's unreasonable at all. I don't think, sorry. I was on mute and I didn't realize. I was just like agreeing and nodding. Um, And then there was a noise, so I had to stay on mute for a second. Um, But I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation. I think if you tell me, like, who are you most excited to see next season? I would say the first is Cole Caulfield. The next is Nick Suzuki. And the next is Kirby Doc. And then obviously Caden Gooley, don't yell at us, Kay. But I think... You know, I'm just I'm so excited to see what's next for Kirby Doc. And even if he's not that number one center that, you know, an entire team can build around like a Thomas Buchanan's like somebody like that, you know, and he's got the intelligence to learn that defensive game a little bit better. So for me, I'm just so excited about him. And like I'm very excited for next season with Kirby Doc and Nick Suzuki and everyone else. Uh, that is actually going to end the player. Oh, we didn't do the grades. This week. We didn't do each of our grades. I mean, I gave Doc an A. Okay. I so. gave Doc a B. I gave David Savard a C. I gave Jonathan Duran a B, hesitatingly. I gave, I couldn't decide between a B or a C. I gave Duran a C and I gave David Savard a B because, again, he's playing above what his pay grade is meant to be. Um, as always, sound off in the comments. We do have our mailbag and prospect episode for Friday. And so much more coming up. Please follow us at LO underscore Canadians, Lockdown Canadians at Gmail. If you have longer questions, follow our at the Active Stick. Follow myself at Scott Matla. We will see you all next time.